All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Once you find your place in the Word of God, then we'll read the Scripture and have prayer and bring the message that God has laid upon our heart. 1 Timothy, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourself know that we were appointed thereunto. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it come to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to you, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sake before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God Himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do towards you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Our Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence once again. We want to thank you for the privilege we do have to call you our Father. We want to thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to preach the Word of God. And I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy Word, speak to our hearts. God, give us ears to hear and hearts to listen. And may the will of God be done. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject, on strengthening your local church. Strengthening your local church. When you think about the Apostle Paul in chapter number 3 here, we know that Paul has, is writing this letter uh, to, these, uh, to the church of, of the Thessalonians to encourage them and to strengthen them as a local assembly. Paul could not be there as we saw in chapter number 2. He has been hindered. Paul is determined uh, to get to them and so uh, before uh, the, Paul is able to get to them, he sends to, uh, Timothy to uh, strengthen the church and to help the church. And all of this proves one thing, that Paul's heart uh, was with the church. And Paul, regardless of whether he could be there or not, he wanted the church to be stronger. He wanted the church to grow. And so Paul is writing in chapter number 3, telling about Timothy coming back, and giving the report of how the church is doing. It's always good to get that report to hear that the church is going forward. The church is doing well. And certainly that is the report that Timothy had for Paul as he talked about their faith. And Paul tells uh, these, uh, these young believers that his faith is increased and that he is encouraged even in his own afflictions because of their faithfulness. And as they are a strength to Paul, Paul wants to be a strength to them. And may I say that's the encouragement 
encouragement that we need in this hour. We need to strengthen one another as believers. We as believers have a responsibility to strengthen our church. Now you may be listening and say, well preacher, I'm not a, a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. And so what responsibility do I have to be a strength to, uh, to my church? Well, I want to say, friend, every person uh, the Bible teaches us is a part of the body. And every member of that body has a work to do and has a responsibility to help strengthen uh, the house of God. When you think about our churches today, they're more weaker now than they ever have been. If you look at the ministers that are on the platform today, a lot of men of God, when you look at who we label as preachers and who we label as men of God, uh, some are not true men of God. And you know that. Even in our own ranks, when you look at the spiritual level of preachers that are standing today, I know there are good men of God and they're great preachers that is preaching the gospel and standing true. But there's been a lot of men, a lot of ministers that have compromised, that have become casual. They become, uh, they're trying to just be one of everybody else. And so uh, the pulpit has been weakened as a result. The platform has been weakened as a result, a result of, of a lot of ministers today. And then I think about not just the ministers that are on the platform, but what about the, the members that are in the pews? Our churches have become anemic. Uh, spirituality ha- has been lowered. Why? Because people do not have personal devotion time. They, uh, they do not have family altar. And I know that's not true about everybody. But as, uh, uh, as we look across our congregations, we're reminded that our churches can never be more spiritual than the men that stand in the pulpit and the members that are in the pew. And can I say to every member of any church, it's your responsibility. If you're going to strengthen your church, then you've got to be strong spiritually yourself. And so our churches are weaker now than they've ever been. And we can see that uh, by the ministers that are on the platform, the members that are in the pew. And then what about the message from the pulpit? When you think about the messages that are going forth, now I know there's great men of God that are preaching and standing for the truth, as I said, and they've not watered down their message. But uh, when you look across our country and you look at churches today, it seems to be a trend in our churches for a lot of men to see uh, how that they can preach a gospel that does not offend. And while we're not, uh, we don't have the goal to offend, we know that the gospel in itself will offend people. And we're living in a time when preachers have uh, become more interested in their personality and their popularity uh, than preaching what thus saith the Lord. And so there is a weakness in the message from the pulpit. I mean, people need to hear straight preaching. They, they need to hear the Word of God unadulterated. They need to be, a sin needs to be named. It needs to be cataloged. It needs to be, it needs to be called out. We need to cry against the sins of our nation. And we need strong preaching if we're going to have spiritual churches. And so uh, we see that our churches are weak because of the message that's coming from the pulpit. And then what about the music and its presentation? A lot of music today has been uh, formatted to to fit the world and to fit the standards of the world. It no longer sounds heavenly or holy, but it sounds beady and it sounds like something that that came out of a honky-tonk or something that came off a rock uh, uh, concert somewhere. And and there's this trend in our churches to try to make our music have some worldly appeal that it might satisfy some worldly carnal church member. But friend, listen, all of that is an attempt to weaken our churches. And so we see here that 
Our churches have become weak because, and we can see that through just the music and its presentation, the message and its pulpia, the members in the pews, and, and, and then the ministers on the platform. And then what about the ministries and their promotions? You know, there's a lot of ministries and there's a lot of things being promoted today that God doesn't have anything to do with. And there's a lot of things going on in the house of God that I think makes the Lord sick. I think that it grieves the Holy Spirit. Now, I think that as a church, I'm not against promotions, and certainly our church has promotions, and our church does things that are exciting, and there are a lot of things that we do that produces good fellowship, and it's healthy for the church. And I'm not against promotions but to a degree, but whenever we start doing things that brings the world in, and we start doing things that go against the Bible and goes against the, the Word of God, then uh, those are things that will weaken the church. And let's just face it, there are some things that uh, uh, that the church has no business doing. There are some places that the church has no business going. Why? Because uh, it's not something that the Lord would be pleased with. And so Paul here has a desire to strengthen the church, the local church, uh, in this text. And in chapter number 1, uh, we see that Paul uh, he, that Paul. Uh, uh, encourages the church and he talks about his evangelism to the church and uh, and then now in chapter number 3 uh, Paul is wanting to establish the church and you find that word establish is mentioned uh, several times here in chapter number 3 because that's what Paul is is focusing on. He, uh, he, he talks about his evangelism in chapter number 1. He talks about encouraging the church in chapter number 2 but now Paul is emphasizing establishment. It's time that these believers uh, even go a little bit deeper and get a little bit stronger because of the intense persecution that they're under. And can I tell you, that's the goal of every man of God is to help strengthen his church. That should be the goal of every Sunday school teacher. That should be the goal of every uh, church member is how much stronger can we make our church in days to come? Well, Paul, you'll notice here in verses 1 through 5, uh, we see here the summary for the church. Paul, in attempt to establish or to strengthen, he takes the first five verses verses here, and it begins to summarize uh, uh, some things concerning uh, the church, or some things for the church, should I say. I want you to notice, first of all, in verse number one, that he summarizes his absence from the church. He says, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. Now, when you think about this, the word left here, it means to, uh, it simply means to leave loved ones at death. In other words, Paul could not bear the thought of abandoning these believers by themselves without some help. And so when Paul begins to uh, do a summary for this church here, the first thing he wants them uh, to consider is his absence from the church, that though he left the church, he did not leave the church without. You know, I think that's important today, that whenever, if we're going to strengthen our church, that there are times that uh, as a member or even as a preacher, uh, we can't always be together. We can't always be around each other. Uh, but Paul likens this absence, this, this being away from them, he likens it to leaving a loved one at death. In other words, uh, it was grievous to Paul to the point that he felt like something had to 
had to be done. Something had to, to be done to help them, to encourage them. And so we see that he summarizes his absence from the church. And then in verse number 2, he summarizes his assistance to the church. He, Paul does not leave the church without an assistant. And I think that's wonderful. Even though Paul was absent, uh, Paul still made, he made plans. He made, uh, Paul uh, made the provision so that the church could still go on, so that they could still be taught, so they could still have doctrine. And Paul says that in verse number 2. The Bible said he sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Now, listen, Paul here uh, uses Timothy. And when you think about Timothy, Timothy was a good Christian. Timothy was a faithful minister. And Timothy was a good team worker. Amen? In other words, Timothy didn't mind being a second man. He didn't mind being under the apostle Paul. I think I mentioned this in my last sermon uh, concerning where uh, Paul is talking about uh, those that labored with him and those that were faithful to with him. You know, there's a lot of men that they'll make statements like this. They'll say, oh, you know, preacher, I'm with you or preacher, I'm behind you. Now, some men make those statements and you know that. Some men make that, those statements and their life is in a different direction. They may be telling you that, but they're not that, that I'm with you and I'm behind you, but their life is just not going in that direction. But I'll tell you what, a lot of times those men that may make that statement that are really not behind you, and they'll say, Preacher, I'm with you, I'm behind you. There's one thing you'll never hear that crowd say. You'll never hear them say, I'm under you. And Timothy was not only with Paul and behind Paul, but Timothy was under the Apostle Paul. And I'll tell you, that's why Timothy was so effective as an assistant, because Timothy was simply carrying out the orders that the man of God had given him. And I want to say to every Sunday school teacher, that's simply what you're doing. Don't put ownership on a class. Don't feel like you own the Sunday school class. Don't put ownership if you're a choir leader on the choir, like as if it's your choir, or I own the choir. You see, if you have a position in the church, your position is is that you're just simply carrying out the orders of the leadership that is over you. That means that you have been appointed to that class, or you've been appointed to that position, maybe in the choir, or whatever it is, and you are to, your goal is to just carry out the orders of those that are responsible and those that have put them into your hands. And so that's the kind of man that Timothy was. He was well equipped and well able uh, to disciple these believers and more importantly to carry out what Paul had laid upon his heart. And so uh, Paul, giving the summary for this church here, he summarizes his absence from the church in verse number 1, his assistant to the church in verse number 2, and then his attitude for the church in verse number 3. He said that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourself know that we are appointed thereunto. So Paul had a great burden that these believers would stand fast, that they would hold fast in times of adversity, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. Now how is that going to be accomplished? They're going to have to be rooted. They're going to have to be grounded in their doctrine, their faith, and their belief. And so good Bible preaching and teaching establishes believers, especially in the hard times of life. And uh, so we see that he summarizes his attitude for the church. That's the desire of every man of God, that their church 
church would be established, that they would be strong, that they would be steadfast, and that they would endure. Then Paul summarizes his answers for the church in verse number 4. He said, For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. So in other words, Paul said, Remember, I told you, I gave you the answers that tribulation, persecution was going to come because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that it's good for us to be reminded. You know, that is a lot of what a man of God is doing. He's teaching, he's instructing, but a lot of preaching is reminding people of what they've already heard. Never hear a message and say, well, I already know that. He's preaching on a subject that I've already heard time and time again. That's good because repetition, reminding is how that things are reinforced. It's how things are established. And that's what Paul is doing. And he summarizes his answers to the church in verse number 4. And then he summarizes his assurance to the church in verse number 5. Notice he said, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Paul says here that he summarizes his assurance concerning the church here. Paul wanted to be assured that this church, that these local believers, this this body of believers that had got saved, that they were continuing in the faith that, uh, that they had received when they got born again. Paul did not want this church to disband. He didn't want this church to fall apart. He wanted this church to carry on. And I want to tell you that ought to be the desire of every member of every church is that you ought to do your part to help your church be stronger and to help it carry on. Don't be a lazy church member. Don't be some slothful church member that doesn't have a desire, that never gets involved, that is always sitting on the sideline. You need to be a church member that will be faithful, a church member that will will do everything you can to support uh, the things that are taking place in your church and, and support your church financially, support your church spiritually, support your church physically by being there and attending. All of these things are important to strengthen the church. And so we hear, see here that Paul uh, gives his summary uh, for the church. And then I want you to notice in verses 6 through 9 here, we see the servant to the church. Look at what he said in verse number 6. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that ye have good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. I want you to notice he, Paul mentions the return of Timothy. He mentions his report uh, that Timothy gives this report in verse number 6 that this report has to do with the good tidings of, of their faith, their charity and the good remembrance of us always. And Paul uh, receives a good report uh, concerning the members of this church. I would stop and ask every member of any church, if your pastor was to receive a report today of your attendance, of your giving, of your faithfulness, of your prayers, what kind of report would he give? What kind of report would he receive of your faith, of your charity? Do you love the church? Uh, Do you stand fast with the church? You see, that's what Paul is talking about here. Timothy, this servant, had a good report. And I want to say, if if I have anything to say about the church where I attend, the church I pastor, I want it to be positive. I want it to be good. Even about church members. I, I never want to say negative things about church members. I want to be able to say good things about church members. I, I want to be able to say positive things. And I think that ought to be the desire of every member. So we see uh, the servant here comes and uh, 
we see His return. We see His report. We see His rest in verse 7. He said, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our afflictions and distress by your faith. When Timothy brought this report back to the Apostle Paul, I'll tell you what it did for the heart of Paul. It gave him rest. It gave him relief. If you want to strengthen your church, uh, be a rest to your pastor. Be a relief to him. Be, don't be a burden to him. You know, when your pastor hears your name, it ought to bring joy, not grief to his heart. There ought to be uh, an encouragement, a strength that comes to him, not a heaviness when he hears your name. Some people are such ornery and such mean church members, always stirring up strife, always putting their nose in other people's business, always spreading gossip, always saying and doing things that, that causes a pastor to sit up late at night, that burdens his heart. And the end result of that is, is that their poor pastor can never find any rest because they're always, uh, uh, they're always stirring up something. They're, they're always so needy. And, and don't get me wrong, Pastors want to serve people, but there are some people they don't want to be served. They want to be tended to. They want to be taken care of. And I want to say, listen, God wants you to stand on your own two feet. And if you want to be a strength to your church, then you've got to learn to, to be a blessing. Be a rest to those members that you're around. Don't reap havoc in your church. And so uh, the Bible here talks about the rest. And then this servant here, we see the reinforcement. Look at verse number 8. The Bible says, For now we live. If you stand fast in the Lord. Paul talks about uh, because of this church here, it has given such reinforcement to him and Paul is giving reinforcement to them. He's talking about them standing fast in the Lord. You know, if we have to serve God on our, by ourselves, I know God will give the grace. He'll give the strength. He'll give the ability. But how much easier is it to serve God together? Woe to the individual that thinks they don't need assistance. Now, there are some preachers that I've met that to hear them talk, you would think they could do this all by themselves, that they really didn't need the church. They, they were a gift to the church. And I want to say, we need each other. This is a group effort. This is a collective effort. It, it takes everybody for a church to be strong. doesn't matter. Uh, listen, you've got to have a strong pastor. You've got to have strong leadership. But you've got to have people that will hold his hands up because at the end of the day, he's just like a man. Uh, you, listen, thank God for good Sunday school teachers, but You've got to have some good students and good pupils that will study their Bible and pray for their class and pray for their teacher. All of these things are important. Uh, listen, no man can, can serve God by himself. We need each other. Amen. And I know that when the time comes and we have to walk alone, uh, the Lord Jesus will be enough. But until those days come, we need to pull together. We need to unify. We need to work together. I, I may not agree with everybody on everything, but uh, listen, just because uh, I don't agree with someone, and I may not accept everybody on every level, but just because I don't agree with some things and don't accept some things, it doesn't mean I have to argue about them. It doesn't mean that I, I, that I should cause division, but I should try to be a unifier as our Savior was. And that's not liberalism. That's not compromise. It's just... It's just just means that we need everybody that we can that is still holding fast and standing for the truth. And so we see here the reinforcement. Then we see the rejoicing. Look at Paul in verse number 10, what he says here. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now Paul says night and day he was praying exceedingly. 
And in Paul's prayers for this church, he's mentioned it several times, how that he was thankful for this church always. That he was thankful not just always, but in prayer. Paul was giving thanks for this church here. And so we see the, we see the rejoicing that Paul is not just rejoicing, but he's rejoicing in prayer night and day. He is thinking about this church. And I think every member should bear the burden of their church night and day. You know, you shouldn't be a church member that the only time you think about your church is Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. It ought to be on your mind every day. You ought to be a church man, a church lady. You ought to pray for your church and, and those in leadership. And you ought, to, you ought to be thinking about them on a daily basis. Your life should evolve around your local New Testament church. And, and your scheduling ought to invo- revolve around your local church. And so we see here the, the summary for the church in the first five verses. Then we see the servant to the church in verses 6 through 10. But then we also notice in verses 10 uh, down through verse number uh, Uh, Verse number 13 here, uh, we see also uh, the supplication about the church. Amen. And so as we think about this, uh, Paul here, his supplication was practical. As I mentioned, night and day, Paul said he was praying exceedingly. In verse number 9, he said, For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. As he mentioned that thanks and that joy that Paul had in prayer for them and his rejoicing in them, he talks about what thanks can we render to God. As Paul talks about that, his rejoicing, it's coupled with prayer, as I mentioned before, night and day. And listen, his supplication about the church was very practical. Paul said, listen, he said, I pray night and day exceedingly that I will see your face. And uh, he said, and that your faith might grow and that it might be perfected. And that, in other words, it might be brought to full maturity. And I think we ought to pray for our church and our prayers for our church. If we're going to strengthen our church, the best way to strengthen it is through prayer. And as we, if we're going to strengthen our church, they need to be practical prayers. You look around your church and you see needs. And you ought to pray for those needs. You ought to pray for those spiritual needs. You should pray for... Uh, you should pray for the pastor. Pray for the leadership, as we've mentioned. Pray for the ministries of the church. Pray for the choir. Pray for those that play the instruments, that God will strengthen them, give them more talent, touch them. Pray for the offering, that God will meet the financial needs of the church, the furtherance of the gospel. Just practical things. Pray for the missionary in your church. Pray for the Sunday school classes. Pray for the youth department, the young people. All of these things are important. They're practical things, but Paul was a practical preacher. And Paul said here, night and day, praying Exceedingly, Paul was specific in the things that he had to pray for them. And we see here in verse number 10 that his supplication was practical. We see that his supplication was plain. Look at verse 11. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. You know, amongst everything else, it's easy to see in chapter 2 as well as in chapter 3 that Paul's main desire was he wanted to see their face. He mentions that in verse 10. He emphasizes it again in verse 11, that God would direct His way unto unto them. He wanted to see these believers. He wanted to get back together uh, with them. And Paul's supplication was practical. Paul's supplication was plain. And then I want you to notice in verse number 12 and 13 that Paul's supplication was progressive. As Paul says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do towards you. 
you. Paul uses the word here, abound, uh, in love one toward another and toward all men. He's using the word abound, the word all, as he's talking about praying for them. His supplication was very progressive. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now Paul is praying that their love one for another and their love for the Lord Jesus Christ and His coming would abound, that it would be progressive, that it would be more today than it was yesterday. You know, that ought to be our desire. We ought to pray that same thing, that the church would be stronger. How to strengthen your local church? You can strengthen it by, by prayer. You can strengthen it, uh, my friend, by being an encouragement, a blessing, and by uh, giving a good report. I pray that God will take this message and help us as believers, as pastors, as preachers, as Sunday school teachers, as church members to have a genuine burden as the Apostle Paul did for the church of the Thessalonians that we might strengthen our local church as God used him and Timothy to strengthen this local church. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. Lord, thank you for the the opportunity to serve in a local New Testament church. I pray for those that may be listening that may not have been doing their part. God, help them. Give them grace. Give them the burden, the urgency to serve you to the best of their ability. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.